Hello, and welcome to the Racing with Robin Roller podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts, Josh Roller, and I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And joining me from Indianapolis is the other co-host, Rob Peters. Uh, Watkins Glen happened. Watkins Glen happened, and a lot came from it. Um, Ty Gibbs showed a little bit of displeasure with Sam Mayer by uh, taking a career jab. Uh Comically, honestly. Uh, Jesse Love continues to hit his dominance in the Arkham Menard series, but yet, Frankie Minez, he's there still in second place by one point. Amazing. Uh, SRX wrapped up 2023. We'll talk a couple points on that. Uh, and Chase Elliott, America's driver, according to some people within uh, a certain organization, uh, with colors red, yellow, and blue, is in a must-win situation and is at the risk of missing the playoffs. He's in the risk of missing the playoffs, and we have a lot to talk about that. And a little thing of fuel. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. You probably already know what we're going to talk about. We'll talk more about that later on in the show. Uh, we do have some interesting uh, news today. That includes, I think, for the very first time, two lawsuits uh, uh, in, in, within Rob's racing report. Uh, and we're even going to uh, you know, pick some tracks that we want to see on the SRX schedule uh, next year. Uh, so let's go ahead and get things started here with the news and Rob's racing report. Rob, take it away. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and start my lawyer legalese thing. Everything I learned about law, I learned on Law & Order SVU. Not regular Law & Order SVU because it's superior. Uh, we'll go ahead and start off with Formula One. Uh, Formula One is the first of the two lawsuits that we're going to talk about today because Felipe Massa's legal team is seeking significant legal compensation for Massa's lost 20, 2008 Formula One World Championship as that legal action continues. Now, remember, this is related to quotes from Bernie Ecclestone earlier this year in which he suggested that both the FIA and Formula One knew of the intent by Nelson Piquet Jr., but did nothing to stop it. So Felipe is arguing his case that says, since Formula One didn't do anything to stop blatant race fixing, I was robbed of the 2008 title. And considering how close that title race was, he may or may not have a point. And it will be... Interesting to see if this continues to have legal legs to stand on, uh, yes. or if, if um, you know, this ends up becoming a joke by the courts and being it, like, dude, it, this is a sport. Get over it. <laughs> it. It puts new meaning to the drive for eight for Lewis Hamilton because it might be a drive for seven. It would be very, very unfortunate if one of Lewis's championships record, like record tie, seven titles would literally be taken away from him. Several years after it even happened, you know, over yes. 10 years, it, I mean, over look, 15 it, it, years even. Yeah, I mean, look at the, the here's my opinion on it. Um, I, I, you can't rewrite the history books, but you can certainly uh, maybe give him a little bit of dollar to shut up. <laughs> well, we'll see if they do that. Uh, we'll see what happens here. Uh, but that's it for Formula One news because uh, they've been on their their summer break, and now they are returning this weekend, so we'll probably have some more more news to come, or maybe even something will break this week in terms of silly season. We'll see. I don't I know. I was about to say, very quiet holiday break. Indeed, indeed. 
Uh, but let's move on into some IMSA news because uh, Joseph Newgarden is set for his first IMSA GTP start at the in the Petit Le Mans later this year. Lawrence Vanthor will join Newgarden as Petit Le Mans-only drivers for Penske Porsche. Uh, this is actually New Newgarden's first GTP start. Now, he has driven an LMP2, but he's not driven a GPT GTP car. Uh, so, very uh, interesting to see jo Joseph uh, getting that opportunity, especially coming off the Indianapolis 500 win. Uh, he's lost second in the points to Scott Dixon, but it is what it is. It is what it is. He's still had a good season. He's He's got the 500 dub. I, I don't think Newgarden really is that... That concern. Now he's going to get to start Petit Le Mans. So, eh, mm -hmm. everything everything works out. Yep. Uh, now let's switch over into some IndyCar news because that was basically some of the only IMSA news that that happened over the week. Uh, IndyCar. Uh, There's a lot. There was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to talk about. So let's let's go ahead and dive on into it. Jack Harvey is without a ride because Jack Harvey and Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing have parted ways with three races remaining in the 2023 season. Connor Daly, super sub, adding to his list of teams driven for, will drive the number 30 Honda this weekend at Gateway. Um, and it, it, it definitely seems to me that this was a mutual thing, or maybe it might have been from what I read from Jack Harvey. It almost seems like he did this because he can tell that they're just not... That, they shouldn't be running three teams. I think that's what yeah. it, it's gotten. Like, Jack Harvey knows... He knows his talent level. He knows what he can do. And the we fact that he did with Meyer Shank before he left yeah. there. Yeah, exactly. I'm not... I don't know where he'll go now, but I, I, I feel, like, very strongly that Ray Hall should just focus... RLL, excuse me, should just focus on Graham and, and, and Lundgaard next year. I mean, there's really no reason for a third car... At this yeah, point, it's, it's hurting the team. Yeah, it's hurting the team more than it's helping. They've got two cars that are now finding speed finally and a third car that's not going to find speed. And let's not act like Connor Daly is going to go out there and suddenly set the world on fire or anything. No. He's not. I mean, I like Connor Daly. I think he's a good he's driver. He's out here fulfilling sponsorship obligations for RLL. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's yeah. they already moved the high V sponsorship from the 30 to the 45. So at that point, it's like, well, well why is the 30 it, there? Well... It was originally with Jack. Yeah, I know. Hyde was originally with Jack. But they moved and, it to the more, quote-unquote, successful of the cars. Well, it was with the 45, and then they moved Jack to the 30. I mean, it, yeah. so, like, even he saw, like, okay, I'm number three here. Yeah, he's and, not being prioritized. It's No, not at all. It's not necessary Appreciate for him to hang out. So, yeah, Connor Daly. Connor Daly is super sub. Uh, Linus Lundquist. Linus Lundquist. I don't know. I, 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 I think I know how to pronounce it. Hard to pronounce both ways. Uh, is, he's going to make his IndyCar Oval debut this weekend at Gateway uh, as a replacement for Simon Pagino, who's still, again, recovering from that, that concussion. Um, really unfortunate, but uh, I do hope that Simon's at the very least able to, to be well enough to run Laguna Seca. It would, it would just suck if he wasn't able to at least run the last race. Uh, so we'll see continued uh, well wishes to Simon that he gets better. The... Uh, much loved 2019 Indy 500 champ. Um, and then uh, now let's talk about that legal battle that we're talking about. This is the second legal battle. McLaren has issued legal action against Alex Pillow, where Pillow is being sued by the team 
in Great Britain. Details of the suit are unknown, but it is likely McLaren is at a minimum seeking compensations for uh, compensations for investments already made in Palo. So that doesn't surprise me at all. We'll talk about this probably in the coming weeks and later in the show, but it's whoo, it's getting spicy for McLaren for excuse me for Palo. He should have probably not had again, we talked about it last week, but this is this is spicy. This is it keeps getting spicy. Um Final piece of IndyCar news here, uh, Colton Herta, he's going to drive a special tribute livery to his father's late 90s shell livery that he drove in the kart series at the IndyCar finale at Laguna Seca. So uh, kind of cool, you'll see a very familiar looking car out there at Laguna Seca. Uh, now let's get into some supercars news because there's a lot, of, a lot more supercars news than I ever thought I was going to talk about on this show. It's a ridiculous amount because the floodgates have been opened in the silly season and the silly season dominoes have finally started to fall. So uh, last week we talked about that Will Brown was the favorite to replace Shane Van Gisbergen at the number 97 for Triple Eight Racing. Well, that has not been now now been confirmed. Triple Eight Racing announced that Will Brown will replace the departing Shane Van Gisbergen in 2024. Now, where does that now? Because that happened, it left basically one seat open that is now going to be filled down the line. So let's let's go down the line of how this happened and how we got to this point so now the the spot at Erebus that has been vacated by Will Brown is going to Jack LeBrock Jack LeBrock announced that he has left Matt Stone Racing to replace Will Brown at Erebus next season MSR has not yet announced a potential replacement for LeBrock but there is some thought process between who it might be because of this next piece of news that David Reynolds will leave uh Penrite Racing at the conclusion or Grove Racing uh at the conclusion of the 2023 season. He is expected to sign with Team 18 to replace Scott Pye. So, who's going to replace David Reynolds now? Okay, well we know that uh we actually know that now. It's been confirmed that Richie Stanaway, who originally left Supercars a couple of years ago, is now coming back to drive full time in the season in the series. He is going to replace David Reynolds um at, at uh, Grove Racing. And because Reynolds is going to replace Scott Pye, that leaves some question, well, where's Scott Pye going to go? Where is he going to go? For, is he, he's not going to be with Team 18 anymore. Uh, well, he could fill that role with MSR that is now open at MSR. I have no idea. There is rumors on that, and it is exclusively rumors on that. Um, and, but he might not be alone in uh, attempting to get that seat because... It was also announced this weekend that Nick Perkett is uh, going to leave Walkinshaw and Andretti United at the end of the season. Uh, he literally just plopped over there a couple of seasons ago, so it, he's he's already leaving the team. Uh, and uh, there's no word exactly on who his replacement bike might be, but rumors say it might be Super 2 driver Ryan Wood from New Zealand. So, a lot of things happening a lot of moving pieces and parts we'll see where everybody ends up uh falling when all is said and done but uh it's very interesting to see how svg leaving supercars opened the door up for all these dominoes to then suddenly fall um but that's not the only supercars news that we don't end there that that of course we wouldn't end there no supercars announced that they are returning to new zealand Following the closure of Pukakoe uh, last year, they are going to race at, I, I don't know how to pronounce this, and I am sorry, I will probably learn. I, it, 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 
Taupo. Yes. Taupo oh. International Motorsports Park. That is where Supercars is going to race uh, for their New Zealand round next year. Very good to see them returning to New Zealand. As Josh and I we were discussing before the show, I firmly believe that Supercars should at least have at least two races in New Zealand. That is my opinion. I don't know that it will happen anytime soon, but it should happen. Um, now let's move on into some NASCAR news because there's quite a bit of it again. There's a lot of NASCAR news. Uh, Josh Berry is going to race the 42 for Legacy Motor Club this weekend at Daytona. Uh, Mike Rockefeller raced last week at Watkins Glen. Uh, at this time, the driver or drivers for the final 10 races is still unknown. Uh, another big piece of news that dropped uh, t today on Monday, NASCAR announced a deal with Netflix to have the 2023 playoff document docuseries streamed on the platform. So that's very good for NASCAR and, uh, and attracting that kind of younger demographic. Does it seem like they could be, you know, it's they're just trying to tap into that Drive to Survive hype. Yes, they are, but hey, if they if if the series is as good as Drive to Survive, then I can only see it doing well. Good that NASCAR is breaking back, trying to break back into the mainstream. That's what they need to do. That's what they were doing during the boom years, you know, for I mean, look, people could could talk bad about them all they want. But I think in my humble opinion, Days of Thunder and Talladega Nights hands down made put NASCAR in the hearts of America. Even well, people hey, who didn't like NASCAR. The Days of Thunder sequel. Yeah, exactly. So, if, 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 you know, and because I think those movies were so good, those movies were well done um, to the average person. Maybe not to the NASCAR yeah. fan. Maybe the NASCAR fan might point out issues oh, with them. Point, but, we can point out flaws all day long, right. you know, and, uh, but, but uh, you know, to, to, to attracting a mainstream or the casual fan to, like, take interest in it and, like, oh, NASCAR is cool. That's what they did. I think Ace of Thunder told people that that NASCAR is 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 cool, like you said. But then I think Days of Thunder, or excuse me, Talladega Nights told everybody that it can also be funny. You know, yeah. look, Dale Earnhardt Jr. making the cameo in there and asking um, uh, Ricky Bobby Ricky to, Bobby uh, to give him an autograph, and then goes, "Please don't tell the other drivers. Do yeah. not tell me that's not objectively hilarious. That is hilarious." I mean, hey. On a, on a lesser note, too, what really got kids, you, you think, I'll, I never will forget the Herbie Fully Loaded movie. Um, There's that. That car yeah. just winked at me. <laughs> just, yeah, that one, that yeah. one was a good one. Um, it, was, it, 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 was, it wasn't, um, it was good. It wasn't, like, ground-shaking, but I think it was cool oh, for yeah. kids. Cool. Oh, I saw it, it when it came out, when I was, it, it was, I, was I did, too. I did, I did, too. I mean, we, I was, like, what, 12 or something when it came out, so... Yeah, I would have been like 10 or 11 then, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, um, good, good, good to see that happening. Um, some happy, warm news that'll just warm your heart. Jeb, Jeb, Jeb Burton will uh, pilot the number 22 for Jordan Anderson Racing this weekend as a tribute to his father, Ward, while Jordan Anderson, the team owner, will drive Jeb's usual number 27. So I'm probably going to assume that this has been done to ensure that... Jordan Anderson races on Saturday, no, or for, on Friday night, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, Jeb's going to have to qualify, and uh, but which but is very interesting for Jeb to do. Yeah, that's true. But what does this? What does this do if he misses the race for his playoff? Because he's locked in. But it, I forget. Does the rule say you just have to attempt every race? Yes. Or do you have to make a attempt? Okay, to attempt every good. race. So worst case scenario, if he does miss, if he does miss the show. 
he'd still be locked in. He'd still be good to go on that Talladega win. And that's good. As long as he attempted to qualify, he wasn't like injured, suspended, whatever. He didn't have to yeah. request a waiver. I think he would yeah. still be good, even even without qualifying for the last race. So, well, this is good. Good good move by uh, Jordan Anderson Racing and all. Then this is cool. Yeah, I mean, and especially because you, you, like you like we've we've said, Jeb is locked into the playoffs. So, if the worst case scenario happens, it's not as bad of a situation. And let's be honest. I would assume Jordan would just be like, just step out of the car and give it to Jeb if that happened anyway. I, I'm, unless there was like some, he had sponsorship in place that was going to be mad if he wasn't in the car. But yeah, my guess is probably Bomarito sponsorship for the 27. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I think I saw a delivery of it and it might be. Um, anyway, let's uh, keep, keep going on with the news today. Uh, this was interesting. Remember how we talked about Zane Smith um, being able to explore other options outside of Front Row Motorsports? Well, I guess that means that he's not racing for Front Row Motorsports at all anymore in the Cup Series because Riley Herbst is slated to drive the number 36 for Front Row Motorsports this weekend at Daytona. Very interesting development there. Uh, and then we'll make we'll talk about a little bit this uh, more on the show. Austin Hill has signed a uh, contract to remain at Richard Childress Racing in 2024, continuing to drive the number 21 in the Xfinity Series. He noted in the media pool that a move to Cup isn't out of the cards if RCR were able to acquire a third charter, which is something you know they've been dabbling in that third car. In fact, they ran a third car for Austin Hill last year at Michigan. I remember um, this year he ran Michigan with the Beard team, but. Last year he was uh he was he was in, in, in a third Ganassi or excuse me, third Childress car. Sorry. Yeah. Trying to get my team owners right. Um and then, you know, Brody was out there a couple weekends ago at Indianapolis in the thirty three. Um and then this last piece of uh NASCAR news here, this is really cool. If you're uh not listening to the show, I, I hope that you're you're on this website because NASCAR has launched NASCAR Classics, a free online platform to watch nearly every NASCAR Cup Series race with uh, in, in history. Uh, the television recordings of that, well, some of them are television recordings, a lot of them. A couple of them are, are they, that bug me are there. There's a couple of things that bug me about this. Don't get me wrong, I think it's cool. I think it's super awesome. But, long overdue. Uh, it is long overdue. It's very good. Um, my only talking thing, about this, I feel like, since we started this podcast. Oh, I know. Uh, my only thing that I don't necessarily like, and I think a lot of other people have, have pointed this out about it, is the severe lack of HD programming, uh, HD feeds from the late 2000s and early 2010s when H when cup broadcasts were actually being recorded in HD. Um, one of my pet peeves is there does exist a copy on YouTube of the 2006 UAW Ford fi uh, 500 um, at Talladega, and it is in 1080p 60 frames per second. And it's amazing. It's simply amazing. The quality is amazing. I watch it all the time on my big screen television, and it just brings me so much joy. And it, it low-key frustrates me that NASCAR's version of that same race is in 4x3, 480p. It's like, okay, why? Why? Well, A version in, in of this race was produced in 1080p, 60 frames per second. And I'm not going to, like, totally defend NASCAR, but, you know, this could thing is a work in progress, clearly, because when I was on there one day, they didn't have any 2021 races on there. Yes, they um, don't have um, a handful of certain races. There are certain races that are indeed missing. 
funnily enough, the 2008 Brickyard is obviously missing for obvious reasons. So is the 2001 Daytona 500. That's also missing. Um, the uh, 2010 Brickyard is also for some reason missing. I have no idea why that is missing. I didn't... Yeah. That That's very bizarre that that race of all things is missing. Well, we don't like J.B. McMurray winning. Like, we don't want to celebrate Chip Ganassi because he's not in the sport anymore. Like, what what happened here? Um, it's not even like that was a bad race either. I remember the race being decent. It was just fuel mileage race. Like, what? Yeah. Fuel mileage races are good. Hey, they were. 2011, the 2011 Brickyard, for all, all as painful as it probably might be as a Jeff Gordon fan for you, I will it still is. love because part Paul Menard won that race, and I freaking love Paul Menard. And, and I, I just can't get over the fact that that even happened and that he was able to stretch that fuel and go the distance and... Slugger gave him the best. Slugger did great that day. He did. He did great that day. I mean, look, you know, look, for me, um, I know some people may not want the 2001 Daytona 500 on there. Um, I would love to at least have up until maybe the last lap or something like that where we we, we can watch it. Uh, We can watch the race and enjoy. Cut to the when when the crash happens, cut to like a different like a theatrical like don't because they did it with in the 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 2020 daytona 500 is edited not to show newman's crash yeah um, so i feel like they should do the same thing where they just edit it like that because yeah. the race itself is an amazing race it the race would be great to be race. i have we have all gone back and watched that race at some point because it was a great 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 race you just shut it off at the last lap because you know exactly what happens and you don't need to to see any you, you have need to watch. this lap memorized in your brain. It's it for for most NASCAR fans, even your our age, Josh, and older. Like that whole last lap is ingrained in our brains, and it will always be. So there's really no reason to watch it. But the yep. whole rest of the race is still memorable. Like I still remember watching it, and I was five years old. Yep. In fact, I I just about went back. Uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later on the show. I, I wanted to go back and watch the uh, uh, 2001 Watkins Glen race. Um, mm-hmm. Before we talk here, because I'm like I wanted to I want to compare and contrast Watkins Glen from 22 years ago from oh, today yeah. and, and see if my theories are correct. But um, but yes, this is a great platform. I I, I and I would even pay a small fee to be able to watch a, a old Xfinity and truck races. Um, like they said, hey, you, you we, can, we can offer all Cup races for free, but for five bucks a month. Oh, by the way, you can watch all Xfinity and truck broadcasts that we have, except for the Nazareth race, like in 1995 for trucks. That is a lost broadcast, completely lost. Did you know that? You know, wait, I did not know that one, but I knew that the 2000, the end of the 2000 Bush Series race at Texas, it was was produced but never aired. Yes. Yes, I heard that one before as well. Yeah. So that's going to be a rough one for people because Junior's first win. All right, not Junior's. Uh, no, that was uh, that was Cup. Uh, 2000 Bushers. Who would have won that race at Texas? I can't remember. I want to say it was like Jeff Green or something. I don't know. Okay. Okay. I, it might have been Biffle. No, it wasn't Biffle. Biffle wasn't in there in 2000. He was still in trucks. Um, yeah. Either way, that Green. would pay a small fee. Hopefully we can get some Bush and truck races on there. I would, um, I would personally really like them to just have a tel, uh, like a, a, a smart TV app, please. Yeah, please that'd be and good. thank you. Yeah, yeah I'd like that a good. lot. Hey, NASCAR Productions, you might also say the NASCAR TV app. Watch NASCAR races live 
and watch classic races. Oh, yeah. and uh, uh, would be, what would also be the icing on the cake uh, is a linear feed that just plays random classic races. Mm, there you go. Constantly that you can just put on. You could just pick one and Loop, just turn yeah. it on. Yeah. Um, there you go. And a linear feed, you know, because there's there's you know the the free ad supported television model that is still gaining traction. So there's still a model. There's still a market. For linear TV, it's just people don't want to pay for it anymore. Right. right. So, all right, well, Rob, let's uh, move on here. Featured paint scheme time. Uh, William Byron has already. We've already featured him this year. Um, I'm sorry to Sam Mayer, but you you've run like three paint schemes, bud. We're not gonna we're not gonna do you quite quite yet here on the featured paint scheme side. Um, and uh, but we, we but since we've done William Byron already with uh, him, I believe it was back in March. Uh, we're doing favorite Valvoline scheme of any series uh, because Valvoline has run in IndyCar. It's it's run in uh, sports cars. It's run in NASCAR. Um, you know, so any Valvoline scheme, your favorite all-time Valvoline scheme uh, is what, Rob? Oh, this is fun. Um, so, uh, honestly, the paint scheme that I have always really liked for I don't know what reasons, just uh nostalgic maybe i don't know i had this car it was one of my um first 124 scale die casts i never really had those before so this was one of my first ones that i had um and i really liked it and i still like it to this day i still think it's a very clean looking car i think it's still very pretty uh but that is mark martin's number sixth valvoline stars and stripes for taurus from the 2000 pepsi 400 at daytona uh, it is a very clean car. It is it is very nice. It is not overkill on I think the patriotism. It has just it is just the right amount, uh, and it in general looks good. It looked very pretty under the lights. It was very beautiful. It was a very beautiful looking car under the lights, uh, and I I've always really liked this paint scheme specifically. Uh, I think that it is without a doubt. Without a doubt, one of my favorite uh, Mark Martin paint schemes, and then obviously favorite Valvoline paint schemes. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of good ones. Johnny Benson had some really good ones. Um, you know, Mark Martin, even I went back and forth between this one and the car Mark Martin drove in 1996, which is also mm -hmm. a beautiful, beautiful-looking race car. Um, and, uh, you know, those all all would have been, you know, perfectly uh, acceptable. Even, even uh, Scott Riggs. Scott Riggs had some good-looking ones there, although I prefer... Yep. The car out of Pontiac, I you know I still think Scotty Riggs had had some good looking cars. Um, even oh man, there was another one. There was a Boris Said drove a, a fourth car for Evernham in two thousand seven. I want to say it's Sonoma. It was number ninety eight, and it was a Valvoline sponsored Dodge Avenger that yep. was a very very appealing car. So all of these were great options, but uh, those were the ones that you know obviously stood out to me, but. This one, it, it's got a special place in my heart, man. I've, I'm always going to think about that one whenever I uh, think about Mark Martin, even though, you know, I also think that the cars, the, his regular Valvoline car from that year uh, was good. But, um, you know, obviously it, it was good, but it's not my favorite, you know? he the, the paint scheme in 2000 was good. I love how in 2000 everybody had different paint schemes from 99. Yeah. And then as soon as 2001 happened, they change Everyone them had all new paint again schemes and new sponsors <laughs> exactly and and th and then those became the norm for like the next decade right mm -hmm. but like the paint schemes from 2000 like think about it like like 
Jeff Gordon, the last season of the Rainbow Warriors. You had uh, Dale Jarrett, the last season running the Ford Quality Care. Terry Labonte ran this random uh, Kellogg's paint scheme that he never ran again and never ran prior. That was the ugliest one he ever ran on the Kellogg's side. I actually liked it, but okay. Um, Jeff Burton ran the Exide paint scheme, and then Exide dipped, and he ran the Sitco scheme. Three races. Um, last three races of the year. Well, last three races, which was funny because then Sitko was on two cars. Yep. It was very, very... That was interesting. Um, yeah, last season for Sitko and the Wood Brothers. That that was a thing that happened. I mean, th- like, it's all... Anger paint scheme on the 21 as well. It's one of my favorites. It's hands down one of my favorites. I know, like, just thinking about these 2,000... We should, we should really do a featured paint scheme sometime on just all the... The 2,000-specific paint schemes from let's the just do two, let's just let's just do a top five 2000 paint schemes yeah but they have to be exclusive to the year 2000 they couldn't have been ran in 99 and they couldn't have okay. been run in 2001 they only had to have been run in 2000 that's gonna be tough that's gonna be a good one but there's a lot to pick from yeah, still there's a lot to pick from for sure rob you know i have to say uh sort of an honorable mention you brought it up uh mark martin's valvoline scheme from 2000 is like my favorite 2000 paint scheme Okay, like literally cool. is literally his his regular scheme. I have the die cast. It is to me pinnacle 2000, like the year 2000 paint scheme. But for me, it's still a second place to Johnny Benson's 2003 Valvoline Pontiac. First off, yes, it's very similar to the 2002 scheme, uh, which was an improvement on the 2001 scheme. But the 03 Pontiac body. Pontiac, RIP at NASCAR way too soon. Uh, this was a great... The Pontiacs that year were just awesome. I mean, on all the schemes. The Kodak car, the Net Zero uh, car with, with uh, uh, Jack Sprague for the first half of the year and the variety of drivers, latter half. Uh, Ricky Craven in the 32. Uh, missing somebody. Uh, oh yeah, the Army car. So, I mean, they were all just like that those schemes were made perfect by that Pontiac. I'm sorry, just fantastic. And this one is 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 no different. And I I have this diecast. I have a racing champions version of one twenty fourth version, and it is one of my favorite diecasts that I own. Much like the scheme you picked. Um, and you know I would love to see a throwback to this one day. I don't think I ever will, because I would love it to be a legit. Valvoline throwback um, with someone at Hendrick driving it. I, I The number one match, probably the styling wouldn't match, but if you just could get like the base scheme on there, that would be satisfactory enough for myself. Um, I love the, the black, red, light blue, dark blue. I'm going to call it waves. They're like blocky waves, but they are just... I don't think I've ever called a paint scheme this before, Rob, but it's just sexy. It is a great... <laughs> It's a great car, and it, it really anything. When I imagine this car, if I put it on a Ford body, or I put it on a Dodge body, or I put it on a Chevy body, it doesn't click. It just doesn't click. But that Pontiac, man, we were cheated out um, of more races. We were with robbed that, car. that the Pontiac didn't at least go down to like the Bush series, and a bunch of people sold off their Pontiacs, and they started running Pontiacs in the Bush series. That should have happened. I mean, you I'm had so some Pontiacs that were run 
in 04 in the Bush series. You did have well, some. It's You, you didn't have a it ton. It was the Bruco team, and that was it? I Bruco actually might have been the only team, because I'm, I'm saying that now, and I'm like, I think I only saw one of the Bruco cars. I mean, so they were the 27 more common in Arca. Yeah. They were more common in Arca, but I'm so disappointed. Like, like, the Bush series still ran, like, uh, the previous model car yeah, you know chevy. they still ran the previous yeah. model chevy in like yeah. 2003 they were still, still running the o2 model chevy i'm pretty sure brian vicker showed up to daytona in july in the five car for hendrick driving an o2 body chevy i mean yeah he ended up driving an o3 later in the season but like right, right at the start of the season everybody was in o2 bodies but i think i think they were convinced they were better for arrow they were yeah. Well, no, actually, I don't think they were because I remember a lot of people on the on the drafting tracks, the super speedways, rip plate races, uh, in the Bush series, like uh, like Joe Nemechek, Nemechek and um, Randy LaJoy uh, would normally run Chevrolets, but on at Daytona well, Talladega they, they would run Pontiacs. Well, Hendrick wasn't going to do that, but they were a better compared to the O three body Chevy, at least at that time for the Bush series. Okay, true. Um, I, I think I think that's where it was coming from. But before we get too derailed on that, that <laughs> we, Valvoline, we, I believe there's me. a lot. To, there's a lot to choose from, and we're very thankful for Valvoline support throughout the years, whether they were full time or or running uh, select races. Now, fantastic schemes, hard to beat those two for sure. Rob, let's move right into the upshift downshift segment uh for this week um for uh, those who are new and have heard from their friends or hey check this out uh upshift downshift is, is our debate section upshift you agree with the statement or or a question uh downshift means you disagree we can also throw it in a neutral because you know minus one plus one equals zero at new that's neutral so sometimes that happens, or sometimes we don't have enough information to go off of, um, and or, or we just can't decide. We will throw it into neutral sometimes as well. Our goal's not to, but occasionally it must happen. And this week's first upshift downshift question is: Austin Hill is returning to RCR's Xfinity program in 2024. Does teammate Sheldon Creed return too? Do you upshift or downshift? Um, you know, personally, I'm going to upshift this. I, I haven't seen anything that, to me, that indicates that Sheldon Creed isn't deserving of the ride. I mean, he's been pretty close to a couple of wins. He just hasn't been able to seal the deal, and that's not, I mean, it's it's hard to win. I mean, you could say it's hard to win in the Cup Series. Well, it's hard to win the Xfinity Series, too. It's not something that, like, you know, if it were easy to win the Xfinity Series, I bet you Daniel Hemrick would have a whole ton more, you yeah. know. But but the thing, but the, the differences, I think, between, well, at least between Hemrick and, and Creed is that Hemrick is usually routinely in the playoffs whereas with creed there's more of a a a, 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 a struggle to get in you know without yeah. a win to point his way in like hemrick can still point his way in he's been he's doing he's been doing it he won a title based on pointing his way in i mean he yep. literally pointed his way into the playoffs then pointed his way to the championship four yep. and then finally had to win so he technically pointed his way to the finish i mean it, all things considered, I mean, yes, he won, and and that's how he got it. But he he technically finished ahead with more points than his closest rival, which was Austin Cindric. Yes, he won the race, whatever. But yeah. point is, um, I look, I but I I like Sheldon, and I think that Sheldon still has has a lot of potential. There's there's he just there's just things that still need to be polished with him, uh, and that's not a reason to give up on him. 
At least not for RCR. I don't think that's a reason for RCR to give up on him. I think what they got right now with Sheldon Creed and Austin Hill is really, really good. A good combination. Um, and I love watching them on Saturdays. I think I, 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 those are two of the guys where if either of those guys win, I don't, I'm, I'm not upset. I'm not, I'm not going to be upset about it. I'm going to say, hey, good. I'm happy. This is good for them. You know, they deserve that win. It's good to see RCR back in victory lane, especially considering how, how rare it's been in the last several seasons. Um, yeah. it doesn't happen very often and it's good to see both Sheldon and, um, and Austin Hill being able to put RCR as serious contenders in the Xfinity series as, as you know, what they used to be. Um, so you know what, I'm going to upshift it. I think I, I just, I don't think that RC was going to do anything with him. Um, I, I, I would, I would hope that, you know, his sponsorship sticks around. And as long as that sponsorship sticks around, I would hope that that that's, he would as well. So that's my answer. I'm going to upshift as well. Uh, I think Whelan likes him, and that's a positive, right? Um, he is contending. He's not winning. At some point, you got to win, right? Um, I, I do believe more now than ever in, in NASCAR, you are racing your teammates, much like we we, we hear in Formula One. Your rule, your rule number one is to beat your teammate. In in Sheldon Creed, at least from a victory standpoint, is you have to do that. Um, the only way, or let me let me back up here. One thing he has going for him is like, who do you got to replace him? Right? Who is there to replace him? And I honestly can only think of one driver who could be considered a replacement for Sheldon, and. Um, when you have a sponsorship that likes driver and and or that likes the driver, and you only have only one person who's really a legit contender to replace you, you're you're safe. But he does have to perform. Twenty twenty four. If he does not win this year, he has to visit victory lane in twenty twenty four. I think it, that is a no brainer. That is a must. So, uh, but I do believe he does return. I upshift. Um, all right, big topic here. Following a fuel miscalculation and misinformation, the team radio of Chase Elliott was silent after the checkered flag, and Alan Gustafson walked to the team hauler alone. Do you upshift or downshift that a rift is forming in the number nine team? I am going to downshift this. I think this is being played up for drama, in my humble opinion. Uh, I don't understand why everybody is mad at Alan Gustafson. Let's just be honest. Let's, let's be real here. Strategists are human. And humans make errors in math, and it happens. It's been happening. It's not, it, it it's not indicated indicative of, you know, any rift between the two. Um, I think Chase is just mad because now he knows he has to go into Daytona, and Daytona is such a wild card and a crapshoot, and he has no idea. You know, he's got a fifty-fifty chance at this point. Like, you either win the race or you crash out. Like, that's basically what's going to happen. I mean, he is Definitely going to either to bring home a, a trophy or a steering wheel. Yeah. Um, and and that's what he has to do. And I, I don't think he wants to have to do that. And I don't think Alan Gustafson wanted to have to do that either. I mean, are we going to sit here and act like, you know, Gustafson is, is happy that now the whole team has to go into a must-win situation and he's put his driver in a very stressful and high-intensity situation when he's already going through, let's be honest, a rough patch on the season. 
I, I would be upset too. I wouldn't want to talk to him. I wouldn't know what to say. If I'm Alan Gustafson, I don't know what to say. I screwed up. I'm sorry. What do I say? I screwed up. I'm sorry. Just go win Daytona. Like, it, it, that's easier said than done. How You can't just go win Daytona. You know, it, it's not that easy anymore. Okay? It's, it's, let's, let's, let's be real. And, and, and I don't think Chase, Chase is just sitting there. Look, he's got to have confidence. He's got to trust his crew chief. Okay? If the crew chief says something bad, I mean, it's not Chase's fault, and it's not his fault. It's not like Alan... Let's, let's not act like Alan was intentionally trying to sabotage or something. Let's not act like, you know, he pulled a Danica Patrick's uh, crew chiefs who literally sabotaged her at every freaking place. And I'm serious about that. Not to the extent of that people think that I might be saying, but, like, they literally just did not care. They didn't care what she said. She didn't, they didn't care what adjustment she wanted. They just phoned it in every week. Alan Gustafson does not do that. He is legitimately trying to get his his driver and his team into a position to, to still race for a championship, and that is not an easy thing to do. And so he had to take a risk. He had to take a gamble. The race had gone green the whole way. So at that point, when you, you, you can't rely on a caution— you don't have stage breaks. You don't have any of that. You've got to go to the good old-fashioned fuel strategy. That's exactly what he did. And to be honest with you, it wouldn't surprise me if he's a little rush rusty on fuel strategy like this because, hey, we haven't exactly done it for six years. You know, this is the first real year that we've had to actually run fuel strategy the, the old-fashioned way, the proper way, without having stage cautions to do it for us. I don't think there's a rift. I don't understand why everybody is, is trying to hype this up and trying to say that there's more to it than it is. It's just two people frustrated that certain things didn't go the way that they wanted them to go. And now they're put into a high-pressure environment, and they don't want to be there, but they have to be there. And win, lose, or go home, they're still going to have to do it, and they're still going to run, go to Darlington and try to win Darlington. They just now know this next race is going to be extra stressful. That's it. Josh, what's, what's your take? Um, I, I definitely, I don't know. I, I think some people are blowing it up out of proportion because they're now just seeing this, and this is what they're using as an example. Um, I, 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 however, I upshift. We have seen on more than one occasion, this is certainly the most egregious. Um, I have to say, you know, Alan is not the only one to blame here. The strategists, the war room, and even Chase Elliott are to blame for running out of fuel. If someone told me, I'm not a race car driver, Rob. If someone told me, knowing how that fuel tank works, you flip that switch, you've got three laps, I'm questioning that. I'm like, that's seven and a half miles. That's how many shifts. I don't think I can go that far. Three laps at Charlotte Motor Speedway is four and a half miles. And that's a long way around there on a fuel switch. So Chase is not innocent in this particular situation. I think the rift that is that has formed, how big it is, is depend upon the strength of the relationship on those team on that team amongst each other, in particular Chase and Allen. This is not the first time a 
call has been made, a strategy call has been made that has not worked out in Chase's favor. Staying out and getting blown away. Taking tires and losing 15 positions and only gaining three back with five laps to go. Unable to adjust the car and keep up with the race. Qualifying has been atrocious between on, on the nine team this year. They show up and they don't know what they're doing when they get to the track. And there's multitude of reasons. But sometimes you're blind. You can't see the pestiness of your nose. I do believe there is a rift in the nine team. And I'm not going to be surprised if the nine team does not reach the round of eight. And even then, if there's not a crew chief change on that nine, nine team come 24, um, I, I do believe there is just, you, you kind of, you've had enough. I, I think that's where we're, 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 we've seen this relationship. And it, I think a lot of it has to do too, the stress. It's amazing. You get a little bit, we talk about teammates. I mentioned teammates in this last upshift downshift question. It's amazing what happens when you're no longer the top dog at Hendrick. Kyle Larson walked in and pooped on your party. Won a championship. In his first year with the team. In 22, uh, got used up by the five team on several occasions. We saw that boil over literally a year ago on the Watkins Glen pit road after the race. Where Chase was told by Rick and by Jeff, do not say anything. And we had the greatest one on to Bristol when it actually was Daytona. So you add stress. And again, you see the people's true colors. I think there's a rift. I do. The, it hasn't. It's, it's, it's just growing at this point. It's not formed. It's growing. Do I think the where, where you, I think you're referencing and you clearly have a different opinion on it. And that's fine. But I think the, where people are blowing it out of proportion this week, it's like one bad thing happens, and it's like we dropped an Oppenheimer-sized bomb on the situation. And that's not how it happens. It's small little battles that are fought, instances that are fought. And eventually, you know, if you beat a window enough with a bat, it's going to break. And I think... It's about to break on the nine team, and it's about three, four years in the making. So, yeah, long, long-winded answer there. Um, but I upshift. I, I think there, the rift has formed. All right, understand something more, a little happier. Uh, SRX ended uh, this past week. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a little bit. But uh, in 2024, SRX needs to concentrate on the West Coast. After three seasons on the East Coast, uh, Rob, we'll, we'll have a little fun with this a little bit early in the show teaser here, folks. Uh, after Upshift Downshift, we are going to talk about uh, our 2024 SRX Dream Track list. And that is sort of regardless on how we answer this question. But, Rob, how do you, how do you Upshift or Downshift that SRX needs to concentrate on the West Coast in 2024? You know what? Um, I've thought about this for a long time, and I don't necessarily think they just they need to, like, quote-unquote concentrate on the west coast so much as just run at least a race there um you know there's plenty of great west coast short tracks there's colorado there's kern county there's irwindale there's um there's uh what what, what is the um 
uh, Evergreen. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of a lot of good tracks that that exist out there, and uh, there's no reason not to go go to them. You know what I mean? I mean they're 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 there. They're they're fun. I mean there might even be some good dirt tracks out there as well. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I know that they exist. Um, you know, it's I, I think there's plenty of good tracks out on that that can serve that West Coast. Uh, and even just in general, just as long as you're getting past the Mississippi, I think I think they should be that they should be fine because again, I don't I I like the fact that I I would like to see them return in a lot of those Wisconsin short tracks like Slinger. Um, I'd like to see them return to the north, stay at the very least, you know, up in the northeast. Uh, you know, maybe even head to the south. Uh, obviously, stay here in the Midwest. I'd love to see them come back to IRP. I don't know if that's going to happen anymore, but there's a lot of other really great Indiana short tracks like Salem, like Winchester, like um, you know, even even our dirt tracks out here. We've got great great little dirt tracks. Uh, you know, Kokomo and Lawrenceburg, and um, there's there's more. Obviously, there's Terre Haute. Um, there's a lot of really good options that they could come out here for, but at the same time, you know, there's the same, same exists on the West coast. So I think I would, I would prefer to see it maybe just expand outside of its current area a little bit more, you know, but at the same time there's costs and it being a weekly thing, you know, I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, I, I don't know about concentrating, but definitely I would like to see a, a track out there on the West coast at some point. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit about this last year as well uh, around this time when it ended. Um, I, I do think it – I have to upshift. I think it's time. Um, and the reason I say concentrate is we obviously know this is more or less kind of putting it in a shoestring budget is probably pretty accurate. A lot of stress, a lot of travel. Um, if you have Paul Tracy in the field, it means you got a lot of repairing to do. So the more time you spend on the road – the less time you have to repair and get those cars ready to go. Um, because accidents do happen, intentional or not. They do happen. Uh, engines blow. Uh, tires blow. Something, something. These things break. So going, let's say, one week you're in New York and then being in Colorado and then you got to get back to Virginia, that's, that's a lot of road time. Um, and takes time away from the, uh, from the uh, uh, from being able to actually work on the car. So I think if they go west coast, they got to go all in. They've they've, they've got to buy into kind of making a loop out there and and, and keeping down on the uh, on the travel time. So I think that's I upshift. They have to concentrate, and they should. Uh, the west coast has a lot of great tracks, as you mentioned. Um, and unless they're going to say like, hey, we're going to in the summertime, we're going to spend it on the East Coast and the Midwest and the South and Northeast. And then the wintertime, we're going to have a winter series. I would love to see that happen. And I'd love it to be a success. I don't see that happening, though. If they do anything off season, I think it would probably be overseas in Australia. Um, so. Yeah, I upshift 2024 West Coast tracks, please. Uh, next one here. Ty Gibbs said about Sam Mayer, I'm racing on Sundays. He has more starts and I have more wins. Do you upshift or downshift this comment made by Ty Gibbs post Saturday's race, Rob? I upshifted. I thought it was funny. I thought it was clever. And honestly, I can't be all that mad at him because he's the fact of the matter is he's right. He's right. Um, he's got an Xfinity championship and Sam Mayer does not. 
Sam Mayer has a full season of Xfinity under his belt, and so does Ty Gibbs. Yeah. Um, At this point, Sam Dispel has two full-time seasons, actually. Yeah, Sam has more run- seasons run in Xfinity, half the win- less than half the wins, and zero championships, whereas Ty does. So Ty, I, th- I, I looked at it as not necessarily Ty being snarky or trying... Well, I mean, yes, he's trying to be snarky, I guess, but I looked at it more of Ty just kind of brushing it off. Like, yeah, whatever. You know, this was an Xfinity race. At the end of the day, I've already won a, seri- a title in this series. I won last week at IMS. You know, I, I race in the Cup Series every weekend now, and honestly, he had a good race on Sunday. So let's not sit here and and actually he's had, he's actually put together a string of two good races. This is like back to back top tens, I think, for him. He finished a top good 10. little road course racer, Ty yeah. Gibbs. Um, and again, especially considering the adjustment that he's had in the Cup Series, it's a big adjustment. It's it's just it is a big adjustment. It's a totally different yeah. beast for what he's been driving, and, he, and you know he's starting to get acclimated and starting to get it more. Um, and, you know, I think him running these Xfinity races, in addition to the Cup Series, getting all that experience, I think he, uh, the fact of the matter is he's just running running more. I liked it. I, I did like it. I thought it was a good good little jab. Because, let's be honest, Sam went in there with the intent to spit him. He did. And that was that. Sam won the race. Ty didn't. But Ty's racing on sun- Ty was racing on Sunday, and Sam wasn't. And is Sam going to be racing on Sunday anytime soon? I doubt it. Hate to say it, but if he does, it won't be in a full-time deal, and it won't be with a team that is worth anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, I mean, what? You go to Spire? <laughs> Have fun in the 77, buddy. Like, realistically speaking, Ty Gibbs got the last laugh, and he's going to keep getting the last laugh. So, basically, this was Ty Gibbs' last... I, mean, I, I just saw it as Ty Gibbs' just, Again, remaining cool and calm when he could have been mad. He just said what he was what he was thinking. Hey, this is how I'm going to see it. This is my perspective. He's got, uh, I mean, him and I are on two different levels. He feels he needs to dump me for the race win. Hey, that's that's why he's racing here, and I'm racing Sundays. So that's my take on that. That's my take on that. Really can't disagree with anything you said there, but I will add this. I upshift. Because it's a new Ty Gibbs. If this was a year ago, I you don't get that kind of answer from him. You get something very like, wow, that was kind of low, Ty. This is creatively like showing I'm better. And I know it, and he knows it, and that's why he did what he did. So um, I upshift. I think it should actually a little bit of maturity from Ty Gibbs. The way he answered this question, as much as it may not look that way, I feel like if you ask him if the same situations happened a year ago, you don't get this. So that's why I upshift. And when I read that, I laughed. And I, I don't think Ty Gibbs has ever made me laugh before. At least not in a good way. So <laughs> uh, 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 good for Ty. Um, but yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I agree with you 100% on that too. Um, Sam wheel hopped it because he had made every intention to use eight wheels instead of four. And it very much bugs me. Um, all right, next one here. Back-to-back road courses in a super speedway is the way to end the NASCAR Cup Series regular season. Do you upshift or downshift, Rob? Oh, my gosh. I don't think I'll ever be okay with them ending 
the season on a super speedway. And I've, I think I've made this very clear in past episodes of this show. I've tried to make it very clear that if they were going to say way back five, six years ago, whenever they did, I think it was after the 2016 season, they said, uh, we're not so sure we want Talladega to be a cutoff race in the, in the chase anymore because it's too dangerous. And then what do they do? They make Daytona the cutoff race for the actual play. Not, not a cutoff race that only affects 8, 12 people. One that affects all 16. Like, first of all, what, then make Talladega a cutoff race again. Okay? Because it clearly wasn't a safety deal. You, you lied to us and said it was. You just wanted to move dates around and you couldn't be transparent about that for some reason. So instead, now you do this. I, I still think it's dangerous. I still agree with them, actually. I still agree with that. I think making a super speedway race a cutoff race is insanely stupidly dangerous because you have people out there who will literally go balls to the wall in a last-ditch effort, and they can because that type of racing allows for that kind of thing. It allows for people to go and do stupid things on the racetrack because they need to win. And they are willing to do whatever it takes, and it's all or nothing, and the next 10 races don't even count for them if they don't go out there and do this. It is dangerous. It is objectively dangerous. Okay? And NASCAR continues to seemingly ignore this. Now, I have no problem with the back-to-back -back road courses, but I do have a substantial problem with the ending on the super speedway. The back-to-back -back road courses is fine. That, that weeds out... You know, the guys who are only good on ovals and the guys who shouldn't really be in the playoffs to represent the best of NASCAR. That's a good thing to do. I, I'm okay with that. Um, but this ending this thing on a super speedway? No. No. They, they need, What they need to do is they just need to move Richmond back to this date. Okay? We need to move Richmond back. And we need to move Daytona back to July 4th. That's all we need to not do. not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen, and I don't care. But Daytona doesn't want do. they, the city of Daytona doesn't want it on July fourth. Yeah, well, the city of Daytona is wrong, and they don't know what they want. So, I, I, uh, that's 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 my rebuttal to that. Is you know being a pompous ass about it. Uh, You're telling me politicians I, don't know what's best. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I'm saying as a man living in Indiana, over 500 miles away from Florida, I firmly believe that they should. They should let up on that because this August Daytona thing is stupid. It is dangerous. It is objectively dangerous, and I'm tired of us doing it. I'm literally tired of us doing it. It could, should be literally any other race than this, than Daytona. It just, it should, should. That that's that's my opinion. That's my opinion. Um, again, my my uh, upshift is like a half upshift. Like, instead of going all the way into fourth gear, I'm probably staying in second at this point because I'm not ready to say that the super speedway is the right way to end it. But I am totally cool with the back-to-back -back road courses, but just not the super speedway part. Yeah, you know, for me, I, um, I'm i okay with it ending out at, 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 at a super speedway. I don't like a, a playoff race ending out a super speedway because you're talking about three races. But the crux of my... Reasoning here is you had 23 prior races to get a win. You had 23 prior races to build a points gap. That's my reasoning. Look, 
Yeah. Chase Elliott was injured for six races, suspended for a seventh. He had a total, will have a total of 19 opportunities to have won a race. All right? Brad Keselowski, Kevin Harvick could have walked in here like, oh, crap, we aren't safe. You had 25 other opportunities to get a win. That's my reason. I love it. Not even that. You have opportunities to get stage wins and playoff points that way. Yes, absolutely. You don't even have to win the race. You just have to, at the very least, be at the front during these specific laps. Yes. So... To me, I, 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 I love it. I love uh, road courses back-to-back, and we obviously don't know what the schedule is going to look like next year as far as road courses are concerned um, and, and how things will shake out and what changes will occur. But in theory, if you want to have back-to-back road courses again next year and Daytona in the regular season, I'm okay with that. That is fine. I am 100% okay with that uh, because... Again, you had opportunities beforehand. The safety part is a whole other conversation. We've had that before on the show. Um, I think, you know, if if I'm a driver, I'm looking. I know two points can make a difference, and we've seen guys like a a point absolutely counts. But if you're worried about getting hurt or being caught in an accident, you are more than welcome to lay back and kind of form a second pack of cars and, and wait till the chaos to end. Because if the chaos, if there's no big ones and there's a big one with two laps to go or even the white flag and you get around it, guess what? You leapfrog and got 15 extra points, right? Just saying. But again, I, I, you had opportunities before this. Your first opportunity was at Daytona in February and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. capitalized on that. Michael McDowell capitalized on his, on his road course prowess and won at Indianapolis let alone every other driver who's won in between Daytona and now at Watkins Glen, William Byron lighting it up on fire this year in the 24. So, yeah, I upshift. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Uh, all right, next one. Simon Pagenaud returns to Meyer Shank Racing in 2024. Rob, how are you shifting on this one? Oh, 100%. Not even, I'm not concerned about it. I'm not concerned about it at all. I'm upshifting, and that's... That's it. That's all I say. I have no reason to believe that he's going to leave. And in fact, it, it, when they announced uh, when they announced Tom Blomquist, I'm like ninety percent sure they said something about Simon coming back or working to get him back or something if he's ready. So I, I don't have any reason to believe that he's on the hot seat, even with the concussion. I think once he's healed up, he'll be good to go. Um. Yeah, I, I think Meyer Shank is actually in a very similar situation to RLL. They just need to get their ducks in a row. RLL's issue is that they have one too many cars full time. Uh, Meyer Shank, I, I just I, I don't understand why they're struggling. I feel like they should be better than what they're doing. Um, I, I'm hesitant to upshift on this simply because. How severe is this concussion? Are we looking at some, another Kurt Busch situation? Um, that's what has me concerned. Luckily for him, and unfortunately for everybody else, the IndyCar offseason is exceptionally large. Right, September to March. It's inexcusably long, but in his case, it's an, it's an advantage. 
And could there be a, I'm sure, I'm sure right now, 100%, if I'm Mike Shank, I have a backup. If I'm, if I'm sold on bringing Simon back, I have to have a backup ready to go. Who is my guy? If, if, if Simon is not physically ready to go. That's my concern. That's why I'm hesitant to upshift. And I really don't know how to shift on this one. I talk about not really wanting to go into neutral, but I kind of want to go into neutral on this one because I upshift that I think he'll come back if he's healthy, but I downshift because I don't think he will be healthy. I'm, I'm a little concerned at this point. Um, that's why. I'm, I'm just so hesitant right now, and I'm hoping we, we in the coming weeks that clears up and that, and that hesitant feeling I have goes away, and I'm confident, yeah, he'll be back. He'll be good to go. But are we looking at another Kurt Busch situation here where, you know, the reality is Kurt Busch's could be career-ending. Don't say that. It could be career-ending. Don't say that. I don't know. You know, Simon's, I, I, I don't, I hope it's not. And I hope we see him don't in a car again. that either. I think he's got exceptionally great talent. He's a champion. He's an Indy 500 champion. Just right now, he walked into a team that, found themselves on the back foot, right? And that was the same thing that happened with Jack Harvey. He left the same team that, that Simon's hoping to drive for again next year. And it looks like he was going to be kind of in a crap situation either way. I'm like, well, the team I was at was struggling. He's struggling. And now the team I am at, was formerly at, is exceptionally struggling. So, well, I, I picked him good. So, anyways... Uh, Simon Pagano, I I, I got to throw in a neutral because I just I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to expect. Um, all right, third to last question here. Uh, I don't think we ever said that one before, but third to last question here. Watkins Glen needs track limits in curbs in the inner loop removed. Do you upshift or downshift? No, no, no. Just at the very least, it would be nice to have gravel traps again, but we're never gonna get that. We're just not. Um, I, I'm, I'm always been a big proponent that I like the, the lawlessness of track limits in NASCAR. I think it makes them unique, and I think it's kind of funny. Um, I think when it gets over, overboard, like maybe you saw this weekend in the Xfinity race, where there's that screenshot going around of literally the entire field on the runoff area in turn one. Um, yeah, I'd kind of like to, at the very least, see that go back to gravel um but as as far as everything else no no um i don't i don't think so i downshift that well we disagree on this one um i think on i i think you had to come up with some sort of, i i hate i hate this is why i want to go back and watch the 2001 watkins Glen race rob i hate what they've done to turn one obviously in some ways for the name of safety and the name of also budgetary safety for cars uh, team owners. Uh, I think they need to do something to shallow up the, uh, like they need to paint a line or something. They put a bunch of billboards up or a little uh, signage up that says go bowling on it. Um, and, 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 and uh, in the runoff area there in turn one that you have to get back on track a lot sooner than they are. And in the inner loop, they need to remove those damn curbs. I do not like how much speed they take through there. They need to slow down a lot more. I think it would lead to better racing. It's another passing opportunity, 100%. And I think that's what was always great about racing uh, and watching old races at Watkins Glen because you kind of had 
three passing zones. Turn six, turn one, and and the uh, interloop because you weren't spending half your time through the interloop on a curb. It is it is painful and stupid to watch. Okay, and I, I just don't like it. I I I, I upshift at least. They need to take the curbs away and turn it in back into turn it into grass. Just rip them up, plant some uh, or get some dirt and plant some grass, and call it a day. I I I just don't like it. I I I I think I've I've kept that in for many years, and this weekend for whatever reason was my breaking point on it, and I just it was very disgusted what I was seeing. Um, okay. Yeah, I know that's probably the hot take of the day. I, I, I don't know, uh, but that might be the hot take of the day. All right, um, this one, this one, uh, this is bad. The track was not clear of fluids for the final restart of Saturday's Xfinity Series race at Watkins Glen. Do you upshift or downshift this, Rob? Uh, it was definitely not clear, but we went green anyway. And I guess it put on a good show for the fans, didn't it? Yeah? Yep. Yeah, it did. Sure did. Um, how do I shift on this? I don't know. I'm not, I don't agree with it, but I, wait, I do agree with it. Yes, I upshift. It was not clear, but I downshift that it happened. There, that's my answer. Yeah, I would, I don't know who the track safety crew head was there, but that was ridiculous. I mean, how many cars were slipping and sliding? Through all that. First off, who was the guy? Was it Cass Grala that laid down all the fluid? I mean, I why so. was no one on the... Someone had to be telling him, hey, stop. Hey, stop. And here's the thing, too. If NASCAR was telling him to stop and he didn't stop, congratulations, Cass. You just got a 20-point penalty. And free of charge. Because that was that is not sportsmanlike. That's unsportsmanlike conduct. I'm, again, I'm not all for about policing every little thing, but what you did there is you extended the race, caused an extensive cleanup, and then the track crews didn't get the job done. Now, I'm not going to dog on the track crews a whole lot, because they do they typically do a great job, an outstanding job at every track we go to. Um, and a lot of those guys are, are Watkins Glen's people, I'm sure, and not necessarily people who travel around all the time. But, and, and with that said, I don't remember a Watkins Glen race that had such an egregious issue. But, you're telling me Enough people said the track was clear to go green is a little bad. It's very bad. Um, it, I mean, I, I downshift. They, 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 they should never been allowed to happen because it, it kind of, we talked about Sheldon Creed earlier, kind of maybe cost Sheldon Creed a win. Also cost Josh Berry a good finish. He was running third and then all of a sudden just said, nope, I'm not running third anymore. I mean, Dale Earnhardt Jr. called it as is. Is it? Nope, track's not clear. All sorts of stuff down here on the track. I mean, I love Dale Jr. Doesn't care. The only guy in the, in the whole entire sport that could say anything he wants and not get fined by NASCAR. The only guy. Um, but yeah, downshift, not the way you want to end the race. Great for the highlight reel. Great for the fans to see. However, I would like to see a, a, a better level playing field that is clear and free of debris, whether the debris is a liquid or a solid. All right, last one here. Um, we kind of had two weeks now of road course racing. This is kind of accumulation of the last two weeks. Uh, do you upshift or downshift that the aggression amongst NASCAR drivers 
And what NASCAR allows is ruining its reputation in international circles. Do you upshift or downshift this, Rob? Honestly, I have to say, uh, I, I have to downshift. I mean, I think that, um, you know, if you look at what, what, how many people are still coming over to NASCAR, I mean, look at what we had at Indianapolis. You know, these people still want to, these drivers, they still want to compete in NASCAR regardless of its reputation. Um, and honestly, I think, let's be honest, it, only a handful of drivers anymore have a reputation for ha just running you down. I mean, Stenhouse is one of them. Um, you know, but there's not very many else that I can think up off the top of my head that'll just straight up run you down. They might run, run you a little harder than you're used to, but it's not like they're going to be, you know, complete jerks to you. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of those guys like that freedom. Um, they like the, the freedom to, to do the rubbins racing, to, to, you know, make their name, to put the bumper to someone when they feel like they need it and not have to worry about getting a penalty for it. Um, I think a lot of those guys like that, and I think it's appealing to them. Uh, so I, I don't personally think that it's ruining its reputation if we keep seeing all of this international um, attention be paid to NASCAR. You know, if Jensen Button doesn't have a problem with it, then and Kimi Räikkönen doesn't have a problem with it, then why should anyone else? I mean, those guys' opinions, they matter. They, ha they, have, they have F1 titles, okay? They Both of them. They have F1 titles. Um, look at, uh, I mean, you look at SVG, he's got three Supercars titles. You look at Brody, he swept the weekend this year. I mean, all of, all, uh, this weekend, excuse me, he swept the weekend, swept the weekend, um, at the bend. So it's like, who, who cares? Who really cares? I mean, these guys seem to like that style of racing. So I, I say there's, there's no, nothing's ruining it. I think it's, I think it's just fine the way it is. Could it be cleaner? Possibly, but. I still think it's fine. Uh, you, Rob, you, you hinted right there at the end. Can it be cleaner? Yes. I think in the Cup Series, we're not too bad. But YouTubers don't care what series it is. Look at this guy. Look, here, here's a compilation. 20 minutes worth of NASCAR drivers knocking the shit out of each other. That's what it is. That's what it's going to be. Okay. Right? I mean, no. that's... I, 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 I don't think we're at a, a bad point now. Um, but if this goes on and NASCAR doesn't get a grab, a, a hold of, all right, this is allowed. You can bump and run someone, but when we can clearly see that you dump someone, even if we don't look at SMT data, congratulations. You now have a time penalty. I honestly believe they... And I think NASCAR knows that. I think NASCAR knows these guys are kind of a little outlaw and can be a little outlaw. You have a couple of outlaws in the Cup Series. But then when you look at the Xfinity Series, the only reason we're not seeing it so bad this year is because of the lack of stage cautions and therefore the lack of built-in opportunities for chaos to brew. Right? I, I think that's, that's where we're at. So does that help? Yes, but that doesn't solve your problem. And I think we all can agree that Sam Mayer, yeah, he will hopped it, but he had no intention to make that corner without contact with the cars to his left. And the car on the left was Ty, Ty Gibbs. I think NASCAR needs to step in and say, we are going to write the rules up here on the board, and those are the rules. If you cross that line... And where we ask the question, did you intentionally 
hit this guy with malicious intent? And the question, and if the answer is yes, congratulations, you have a time penalty, and that time penalty can be served at the next pit stop, or it can be served at the end of the race, depending on which comes first. I, 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 sh- I, I very softly upshift. I very softly upshift this because, yes, you have a lot of interest right now, but the next-gen car is very new, right? The next-gen car is new. Um, they, they race like more race cars internationally. But if international talent is either overcoming over here and experiencing it or watching it, like, I don't want to go over there and get the crap knocked out of me. What's the fun in that? That's not racing, where you have every... Like, I literally learned, Rob, was it you on the show, or was it there? Read about it, or SVG commented it, SVG said it. I didn't know you couldn't bump somebody in supercars. That sounds absolutely wild to me. Yeah, it's, just, just, it, it's it, 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 them's the facts. They'll, they'll penalize that, you. They've penalized SVG for it this year, and that's probably yeah, why so, he's going to NASCAR. And, and you know, and I think that's, an, that's a bit too far. I don't, I think if you touch somebody, you're penalized, I think is wrong. Uh, you know that that because why did that happen, right? Why did I why did I hit you? Um, but I think everything. I don't know. I, I just that is that is definitely too far. But we there's a lot of smart people in NASCAR, especially on the at least in the officiating side. <laughs> at least in the officiating side, there's a lot of smart people. A driver can tell you, yeah, that guy missed that corner on purpose and, and, and took that guy out. No, that was just a bump and run. He, get, he, was on his, he was on his case for many laps, how to get around him. Clean. Right? I think, I think uh, we got, that NASCAR's got to get a hold of that before it's too far gone and your reputation's in the toilet and it takes 10 years to rebuild it. Right? That's where I'm at. We can't let it get to that point. This year has not been as bad, but we still see instances in the lower divisions where this is a problem. And sometimes you got to nip it in the bud in the lower divisions when they're young and they don't get up the cup and they're still stupid, right? I think that's where we're at. Um, agree to disagree. Once again, I love when we disagree, Rob. Um, we hinted, I hinted it earlier. Twenty twenty four SRX Dream Track List. Again, this is regardless of how you answered before, Rob. How how how? What are your tracks that you would love to see in twenty twenty four? The this the tracks. I'll just keep it kind of simple. Um, I. This is very simple. This is what I would like to see. Um, I I would like to see uh, the series go, obviously, back to Slinger, uh, continue running to, at Eldora, go back to IRP, um, and then run a little bit further west at Colorado and Kern County. Um, but then that another dirt race, you got to have that other dirt race, and I think it should, again, be, be west of the Missi- Mississippi. Um, and it should be I-70 on, on Speedway on dirt. Um, so that's six cool tracks that I would like to see SRX race at. Well, Rob, I'm going to stand by what I said before, and, and I do think they need to concentrate on, on uh, the West Coast. I'm going to have a little caveat here at the end. Um, Colorado National, Tucson Speedway, Evergreen, uh, those are three paved ovals. Uh, the dirt track at Las Vegas Motor Speedway uh, would be sort of my dirt track out there. I, I, I apologize. I really don't know any big dirt tracks out on the west side of the of the country. I know a lot of uh, you know sprint car 
tracks, but I don't know how many of them are, are big enough to hold 12, 13, 14 SRX cars and be a good race. You do have to have, there is a minimum track length they will have to have. Uh, but then I say Irwindale and All-America Speedway, and I do put in parentheses here, if they were to do seven races, Thunder Road Speed Bowl does get a race next year after the cancellation of their races here due to uh, weather related issues of the flooding that happened in Vermont. So either if they go seven races and they go Thunder Road, or if you take out a track, I would probably say take out all American Speedway um, and then put Thunder Road in it in its place. But I, they do need to go to, they need to have a heavy, a West Coast heavy schedule this year. I am a big believer in that. And uh, that's why I was so passionate about that question earlier. So passionate and controversial were, were, were my upshift downshift themes this week, Rob. Uh, so, why don't you go ahead and, and <laughs> why don't you go ahead and take us through uh, some things you're passionate about, uh, some supercars and super formula we can wrap up as well as everything else that happened this week. I just think any racing series that has super in their name is just great. Uh, let's talk about the supercars races at the Bend Motorsports Park because there's three of them: the OTR Bend Super Sprint. Uh, Brody Kostecki, my man, swept the weekend. So not only. Now has Brody gotten his first legitimate win in supercars? Um, like, because like I said, whatever, Melbourne didn't count. Melbourne was yeah, barely weird. a win. I mean, it was a win. It's going to go in the record books as a win, but it was. it's not the way you want to win a race, your first race. Like, who won the Belgian Grand Prix in 20, in 21? The, the, was the that pace Max? The same, yep, yeah, Max did. Yeah, like that, that, that's a win, but it, we, don't, we don't recognize it as a win. Max wouldn't even say it's a win because he didn't do anything in the race. You know, I mean, at least Brody ran, what, eight laps? Mm-hmm. But, but even then, how is eight laps of anything with a compulsory pit stop, how is that a race? You have to stop between lap four and five. Hold on. OG uh, Nürburgring was 14 laps long remember that okay but nurburgring was super super long to begin with so 14 well, yeah, so, so, it's got to clarify so short track with eight laps yeah how do you call that a win okay I, i'm just busting you your butt nurburgring, no matter how long how long the race was that is still an accomplishment winning a race at uh melbourne for three laps is with with one compulsory pit stop when everybody else is having problems not much of one point is Point is, Brody has literally defied all the odds. In fact, I love how it. I don't want to say this. I don't want to say like SVG is like checked out, but like it very much seems like he's totally checked out of this championship right now. Um, he was basically not much of a factor in any of the race this weekend. So, um, yeah, I I would say he's he's about ready. We're gonna see Brody Kostecki make the jump to Cup or NASCAR. Uh, He wins a title. Which might be yeah. this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it might be this year. It's very funny. It's very funny to me that uh, that Triple um, Eight went out and grabbed Will Brown instead of Brody, when Brody is probably the guy who's going to win the title, and Will Brown has sent, hands down lost the title within the last two or three races. Because they know Brody's time in supercars is limited. Well, maybe. But if you wanted my opinion, I would have. I would have grabbed Brody, but, you know, now he's going to be hands down the leader of that team because he's going to be teammates with good old Jack LeBrock, who 
sometimes is good and sometimes is not. And it's really weird because, like, sometimes he'll go out there and put together a flawless race, and then other times he'll just be an also-ran. And I don't know how... Like, how how do you be so hot and cold in, in, in any kind of racing series? Um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, good on Brody for sweeping the weekend, man. Coming off the his first Cup Series start in NASCAR. His first... First race overseas on in the state side in a little under ten years. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time for him, and he did it in Indianapolis. Then he comes back as he's basically all refreshed and ready to go. Goes out here and you know puts it on on top step of the podium all three times. Hey, you know who else was on the podium was uh, Thomas Randall. Thomas Randall, the driver, uh, the the guy who's uh, from uh, racing for Tickford. Um, he has had a fantastic. He had a fantastic weekend, and it's great, great, good for him, good for him, very happy for him, um, you know, especially considering all that he's been through. For for those of you listening to the show, you don't know Thomas Randall, you don't know of him. Uh, he uh, spent a couple of years away from racing, uh, dealing with testicular cancer, um, and so he is now back uh, and and scored a couple of podiums this weekend, so good for him. Uh, but then let's talk about that SRX uh, series, the series season finale at Lucas Oil Raceway uh, on dirt. Uh, Ryan Newman clinched the championship after the first heat, but Jonathan Davenport, who made his first SRX start, who is hands down probably one of the best drivers I've ever seen run on dirt, uh, and I say that... Fantastic. Yeah, I say that probably with more confidence than I've ever said anything about another driver. Jonathan Davenport is probably the fastest guy I've ever seen run on dirt, and I've seen my fair share of dirt races, and this dude is insane, no matter what you get on him in. Um, Did it's, you know it's, he uh, is a legend car champion? I would believe it. Yeah, he's, he's, a, yeah, he's a champion in U.S. legend cars. Yeah, On pavement or dirt? I uh, believe pavement. Holy moly, okay. Pavement, yeah, pavement. Okay, yeah. so. Whew. All right. All right, yeah. man. All right, uh, and then, hey, uh, so we had a race, a, a super formula race at Motegi, and Josh, I sent this to you. We had a massive accident in this race yeah. uh, on the first lap after Liam Lawson uh, had, went a little off, off course, and uh, two, count them, two cars launched over over the top of him. Launched I don't think I've ever seen two cars get airborne at the same time. No, I never have either. Yeah. That was insane. That was something I've never seen before. I had never expected, and I felt bad because I watched the whole pre-race of the of the, of the Super Formula race, and then um, I was going to watch the start, but then the Supercars race was also starting at the same time, so I switched over to that, um, and I was just watching the Supercars race, and I get on on Twitter, and I see. You know, Christopher DeHardy was tweeting about it, and a couple other Josh Revel was tweeting about it. A couple other people who were watching the race were tweeting about it, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this massive accident just happened at Supercar, is Super Formula." And I'm like, "What? You mean I really turned the channel at the wrong time?" So, well, in my yeah, I should not have done that. I should not have done that, and I did because I should have at the very least watched the first lap of the Super Formula race because when that first lap happened, the Supercars race, the Supercars were still on the grid. Um, so, but they were, like, five minutes to lights out or something, so. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was crazy, crazy accident. Everybody was okay, thankfully, but if you haven't seen this accident yet, uh, it's on, uh, Motorsport TV's Twitter, 
uh, and probably elsewhere uh, that you could see it. But it, it truthfully, truthfully terrifying. We're very glad that the Halo exists again, thanking mm-hmm. our stars for the Halo because, man, that would have been bad without it. Um, and I was surprised how how Liam Lawson's car looked like it held up because uh, when I turned tuned it back, uh, it was just after the the crash had happened, and Lawson was driving back to the pit lane. And his entire rear wing was gone, but, like, the brackets that hold it on, hold the actual uh, wing on, were, were still there. And it looked like they, if, if it was, like, the old Indy cars where they could just take the whole rear wing assembly off and put another one on, if he didn't have suspension damage from it, he probably could have kept on, kept on racing. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't think that was possible, so they, they ended up having to retire the car, but... And still, crazy, crazy accident there. But uh, the en- the eventual winner was Tom- Tomoki Nadiri. Uh, he won won that race. He's um, won a couple, of, won, won won a lot of uh, Super Formula races so far this season. Uh, doing a very good good job so far in that championship. Um, he is right now. He's not he's not at the top of the points with uh, heading into the final two races here at Suzuka because the final two races of the Supercars. Or excuse me, Super Formula Championship um, are coming up this. Uh, excuse me, uh, in October. In October, so it's going to be late October, twenty seventh to the 29th at Suzuka. Um, probably not looking like Tomoki and Nigeri is going to be able to get that get that uh, championship, but he's got uh, four podiums, two wins, two second places, a retirement, and then an eighth place finish. But uh, Ritomo Miata, he has been just a little bit more consistent, and that that uh, poor finish at Motegi for Liam Lawson actually dropped him out of the points t- championship. He was looking like, hands down, Liam Lawson was going to be the top champion in Super Formula. He is now second. And uh, what is this now? About eight points behind Miata going into the last race of the season. So Super Formula championship is heating up there's gonna be two races in october later this year uh and we'll, we'll see who's gonna be the champion so whether or not it'll be liam lawson uh Ritomo miata but hey tomoki nojiri is is only 10 points out of the out of the title as well so in all honesty it, it's it's a three horse race going into the last last double header here uh in october so just a sad shame that we got to wait all the way until october to crown a championship and champion in Super Formula, but at least we know it'll be worth the wait, given how uh, tight the title title race is right now. Um, and then uh, let's talk about some. Let's move over back over here stateside. Uh, talk about some of the ARCA races. There were two ARCA races over the weekend. Um, three. At, three. Three, three, three. Excuse me, three, three whole ARCA races. Uh, the West Series was all the way in Evergreen. Um, surprisingly, Sean Hignorani won that race. He didn't, uh, uh, did he wreck anybody to win that race, Josh? I don't believe so. Okay, well, good for him. He's learning. Um, because I was laughing, I texted you what Dean Thompson tweeted out when... So, so Hignorani is gonna race the second car, um, for Hattori, second truck, excuse me, for Hattori Racing, uh, at Milwaukee this weekend. And, uh, Dean Thompson... (laughs) Tweeted, pairs up for Tyler Ankrum with no context, zero context. 
So I'm sitting here thinking, like, something happened to Tyler Ankrum and getting very nervous. But no, it's Dean Thompson saying, Rip, bro, you got to be teammates with this guy. And, and Dean Thompson knows because, you know, he wrecked him at Mid-Ohio. Hignorani did wreck Thompson at Mid-Ohio. So his teammate. As teammate. As his teammate. Yeah, exactly. So, Which is only going to be itchy because Dean Thompson's going to be on the track. He's yeah. going to be in his regular Tricon. <laughs> Entry. Hey, he won't be teammates with Hignorani, but will will Hignorani still wreck him? <laughs> you you yeah, know, I, I, it's gonna be. It's gonna, hey, even more reason to watch Milwaukee on Sunday. <laughs> hey, as if there wasn't already enough reasons. I mean, oh, it's yeah. gonna be a fun little weekend up there for the truck race. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. The one thing I am not looking forward to is that Fox will inevitably not send their announcers there. I bet. No, like you think Fox is going to send their announcers to Milwaukee? We no, think Fox cares about NASCAR anymore. It's been ten <sighs> years since the demise of Speed last week. By the way, yes, um, yep. That that made me that that was tough for that me. That made personally. me feel old because I remember I watched the last Speed broadcast. They so did I from from. At the time, my parents were building a house, so we moved into an apartment. The five yeah. of us. Oh wow! For about three months, and um, yes, um, and I watched a lot of speed pro- broadcast from that uh, from that apartment. So, as um, I've said yeah. a couple of times on yeah. this show, I do have the entire two months of Speed Channel, two to three final two three months of Speed um, on tape. I, I taped it because I wanted to remember Speed Channel and how much it meant to me um, growing up. It literally meant the entire world to me growing up. It was everything. It was the channel that I watched all the time. If it wasn't Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon, I was watching Speed Channel. I mean, that that was just me growing up. That was the channel I had to watch. That was, you know, there was literally, there still never will be. I don't think we as a society... Even and I know it's because we're old now, right, Josh? We're not kids anymore. But we're, I don't think this old, is yeah. the nostalgia talking. But I would still love to get home from work on a Friday and just put on one channel and watch a bunch of NASCAR practice yeah. and yeah. and have trackside and and things like that. Like I would I would yeah. love that again. I would that would yeah. make me very very happy. That would make me excited for Friday nights and then have it all lead into a night truck race or something. All of that's at a, lost. at a different track. <laughs> yeah, all of that is all of that is lost now, and um, we we just I I I'll always miss it. But yeah. Uh. Anyway, before I get too too on a soapbox of how much I miss Speed Channel and how much I wish that we had some kind of replacement for it, which we still don't have. Like, don't get me wrong, Mav TV tries its darndest, but it it will never have like like speed at its at its peak. Literally had NASCAR, CART, and Formula One all on its channel. Which, to be honest with you, and, and, and Trans Am, and, and ALMS, and uh, Grand Am, and, um, geez, they had uh, MotoGP, they had American Superbike, they had, uh, they had everything. They literally had everything. MAV-TV does not have that, and they, I don't think they will ever be able to afford it. Um, they do have good programming if in anything mav tv is closer to motors tv than it is to speed channel in that regard 
Uh, and don't get me wrong, I liked Motors TV. Hell, I pirated it for a year, number of years before it came to America, and then I legally bought it. I was probably one of the few people who legally had access to Motors TV in the United States, and I wouldn't have given it up for anything. I still haven't. Um, I, I still pay for the same package. Don't know why. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I, I'll always miss that. The, the era of motorsports broadcasting, that, that's gone. Uh, but like we said, the ARCA series ran three races. So Sean Hignorani won the West Series race at Evergreen. And then the uh, big Menard series ha- ran actually two, two races, technically. They were combination races with the East Series, but they were also big ARCA races. They counted for the ARCA championship. So at Watkins Glen on Friday, Jesse Love won that race. And then uh, on Sunday at the Springfield Mile, at the mm-hmm. Springfield Mile, a 15-year-old driver named Brent Cruz went to victory lane. Uh, that is truthfully insane. And I want to give a big old shout-out here, too. First, a top 10 finish for Brayton Laster, Greenwood's own Brayton Laster. Good to see him get a top 10 finish, uh, yeah. especially since he tweeted after the race that he did not have a cool suit that entire time. Ooh. Ooh. And he did Ooh. not eat. He also did not have air conditioning, an air conditioning fan blowing in his helmet. He did that old school. He did do that old school. He did that he very did that old, old school. school, new school, because old school, you just would have had an open face helmet and the wind would have been hitting your face yep. with yep. some goggles. Probably. So he did it old school, new school, and that's not fun. No, 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 no. But uh, he made it happen, and he got his first career top 10. No, don't look at how many laps down he was. The point is he finished in the top 10. <laughs> Yeah. Just just focus on the fact that he finished in the top 10. And then Frankie Muniz ran one of his first dirt races. I think that was it. If not, it was his first dirt race ever. Uh, if it wasn't his first, it was one of his very first. Yeah. So, again, a lot seven. of cool things happened. He did finish seventh. Yeah. So, definitely a lot of cool things happening uh, in, in the ARCA series. More more reasons to watch, if you want my opinion. I think the ARCA series is slowly. ARCA series this year, despite Jesse Love's absolute dominance. dominance. There's a lot uh, of storylines. There's a lot of storylines, and it's been very watchable compared to recent seasons. Yes, agreed. I'm making uh, far more, I'm far less ARCA references in a derogatory way in 2023 than I have in recent seasons. There's nothing to joke about it anymore. It's 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 not the ARCA of old, but it's getting there. It, you know, it's it's, it's it's getting respectable again. It's getting yes. very respectable as a series again. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'll always have that. You know, it, it, I don't think it'll ever shake its arca breaks. I don't think that yeah. will ever go away. But no, no. But it won't go away because the drivers still don't know how to apply the brakes. It's 2023, and they're still doing arca drivers are still doing the same thing. So as long as they continue to perpetuate the stereotype, it's just going to be there. Yes. So yeah. At that point, you can't even call it call it a, a stereotype. You might as well just be. It, it, it's it's part of the series. If you crash. Brace for impact. As soon as you come to a stop, brace for impact. Don't start yep. getting undressed. Don't or unbuckled. I mean, don't expect for the, the safety team. Yeah, don't. Yeah, uh, not don't Ricky Bobby yourself. <laughs> How did he even get down to his underpants? <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines. And Larry Max saying it makes it all that much better. I love yeah. the fact that Larry Max says it. Um. Yes. Anyway. Anyway. Before we keep talking about other things that don't matter, Sam Mayer won at Watkins Glen. We already talked about this. Um, and uh, then the um, Cup Series at Watkins Glen 
was won by William Byron. He was the victor there. Um, yeah, sorry. We thought we had something weird here, but it looks like everything's good. Uh, so we'll move on yeah. to the outstanding performance. Uh, Josh, who you got for your outstanding performance this week? You know, through 25 races, RFK did enough to get both their cars into the playoffs after finishing 21st and 24th last year in the points. Um, a major turnaround from even last year, let alone two and three years ago. So, two wins for Chris Buescher. Um, he won back-to-back races at Richmond and Michigan. So that punches his ticket. But Brad Keselowski has been very consistent. I mean, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. RFK, probably the best Ford team this year in Cup. And they have both their cars in the playoffs. Congratulations to them. Brad's win's coming. It's coming. It could happen this weekend at Daytona. It's a great super speedway racer. Always finds his way to the front. So my outstanding performance... I feel like I gave it to him a few times over the past few, the few, past month, month and a half. But they keep giving me a reason. They can't give me a reason not to pick them. So RFK, that entire crew over there, Brad Kozlowski led. Fantastic job. Congratulations on putting both your cars in the playoffs. And by the way, by the way, only 300 cars can make the playoffs this year, not all four. That's, so think about that. You know, that you, is you, you got. Cool. You've knocked out a few guys, several guys who won last year who were in the playoffs last year who aren't in it this year. So, hey, that's something to, to hang your hat on. Yeah, man. And, hey, Kevin Harvick's in the playoffs, too, when all of his teammates yep. aren't. So good for, yes. good for Harvick to get in there. Yes. Um, my outstanding performance, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, Thomas Randall. I mean, just a great a great weekend for him. He needs it. I mean, every, I've, I've known how good of a driver he was. I've just been waiting for him to actually be able to show it. Um, and it's good to see that he finally got to sit on the, on the podium of a Supercars uh, event. And then finally, I'm just I, I I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna give it to Ty Gibbs. I mean, look the 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 results on Saturday don't match don't match how well he drove. But he was very well, Yeah, he was very very much on his way to back to back Xfinity race wins at IMS mm-hmm. and Watkins Glen, which would have been huge. Um, but in general, his it's how he's been doing in the Cup Series the last couple of weeks that really solidify this for me. Like he he was there. I mean, he was arguably in contention most of the most of the race in the Cup Series in the Cup Series race. Like well, he was, man. if he wasn't like in the top five, he was still hanging out in the top ten. And I don't think he left the top ten the whole race. So, no, he did. I mean, in all honesty, Ty Gibbs, dude, good on you. And like I said earlier about his comment to Sam Mayer, I mean, I think it's just that that shows maturity. I mean, a lot of people could say that it's immature, but I think it would have been immature for Ty to have literally, like, you know, called him names, said bad things about Mayer. All he did, really, was spit straight facts. I mean, you can disagree with the way that he presented the facts, but everything he said was factually correct. Yep. Yep. So, what are you going to do? I mean, if the dude's spitting facts, are you going to... Come with him with alternative facts because you don't like what he's saying. So yeah, I I, I mean they you, they already do that in 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 DC, but we don't need to do it in Watkins Glen. So Josh, who you got for your uh your outstanding performance? I just gave you mine, man. 
You did. You did. I forgot. I'm not used to, to leading. I'm sorry. Uh, your featured season. That's what's next, right? That's what yes. we're doing next. So uh, yeah, my outstanding performance again. If I had to pick, if oh, I had to pick a second again, one, I screwed up. I'm so used to leading. That was just natural. Even though literally we switch, switch the first every week. So I tried this out. I can't put this all on. That's not Ross' fault. I didn't give him the heads up, right? Every single time, it just feels so unnatural that like if I'm leading with after the weekend wrap up, you throw it to me just for me to throw it right back to you. So I just said, why don't you throw it to me? You know, just every time from now on. I'll just go out standing performance first every time because you do the weekend wrap-up. I didn't give him a heads up. That one's on me. Uh, that's okay. We, we can I go into I, your I, featured yeah. season now if you want. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I will go to get into that right now. So, um, you know, hey, speaking of the West Coast, uh, big big on the West Coast this week. Um, before there was the Arkham Menard Series West, K&M Pro Series West, NASCAR AutoZone West, NASCAR Camping World West Series, and the beloved all-time GOAT name, NASCAR Winston West Series. Uh, it was the Pacific Coast Late Model Division. Um, its first season, recognized season, was in 1954. Uh, but I'm actually going to talk about the, uh, the second season because it had a few more races in it. The 1955 Pacific Coast Late Model Division season. So the season began on May 8th at Arizona State Fairgrounds. It was won by Tim Flock. All right, so there's a name everyone everyone has heard of, um, and uh, you'll hear his name one more time. But everyone else is uh, well, one one other name might be a little recognizable. Um, Tucson Rodeo Grounds was race two, won by Danny Lettner. Race three was won by Bill Amick at uh, at Gard- Gardenia Stadium. One of four visits to the track this season. Fourteen races they visited this place four times. Gotta love it. Um, Contra Costa Speedway was race four, won by Alan Atkins. March Bank Speedway. I've talked about this place before, but it's not the big track. No, it was the half-mile configuration of this speedway. That was race five, won by Bill Amick. Race six was at Balboa Stadium, won by Marvin Panch. That's the other name you've probably heard of before. Uh, the second trip to Gardenia was, uh, race seven, won by Alan Atkins. Bay Meadows Speedway. Race 8, Tim Flock won that one. Danny Lettner won the second trip to Contra Costa Speedway. Uh, Race 10, Balboa Stadium, Marvin Panch. Third trip to Gardenia was race 11, Danny Lettner. Norm Nelson won race 12 at Las Vegas Park Speedway, the first attempt at a major speedway in Las Vegas and ultimately failed. Um, as I believe I talked about on this show a while ago. Uh, it's a great little history. I think there's a couple of YouTube videos out there. Go check it out. It's worth a watch. Uh, Chuck Meekins won the penultimate and 13th race of the season at the final fourth and final trip to Gardenia Stadium. And then the season finale was a road course, the only road course of the season, Willow Springs Speedway, won by Chuck Stevenson. You got to have Willow Springs in there, right? Of course. Classic 50s West Coast series. You got to have Willow Springs. Uh, so Danny Lettner won the championship by 462 points over Alan Atkins and was the only driver to start all 14 races that year. Uh, so when you start all 14 races, you put yourself kind of far ahead to to have the shot to win the championship. Just don't DNF a bunch and you'll be there at the end, right? Consistency wins wins championships, supposed to anyways. Consistency keeps you in second place, like Frankie Munez. See, it just it, it all comes full circle here, folks. So yeah, Pacific Coast 
uh, late model division, lots of classic seasons there, lots of classic tracks, tracks that we have said goodbye to. Uh, sadly, uh, many, many of those, but there's a few, but uh, actually when I look at this, let me look at this one more time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I actually think Willow Springs is the only track still left on, out of this calendar. I think everything else has either been torn down, turned into a Walmart, or is a car park, as our friends over in Europe would say. So, um, yeah, that's it. That's that's the 1955 Pacific Coast Late Model Division season. Uh, what's in the windshield here? Uh, the next Supercars race, you got a while. Got a while to wait. Uh, September 17th, the Sandown 500 at Sandown Raceway. It's a one-race deal, Rob. Why is it the Sandown 500? It's, it's an Enduro. It's one of the good old-fashioned Enduros. So you know what? I'm okay wait, having to wait that time because we know that a good old-fashioned endurance race is always worth the wait. There you go. Uh, Formula One has 10 races remaining, beginning this weekend with the Dutch Grand Prix at Zandvoort followed by the uh, Italian Grand Prix next week, and it is the final European round of the season. Uh, IndyCar has its final oval race at Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway this Sunday. Uh, The Craftsman Truck Series returns to the Milwaukee Mile for the first time since 2009. I love it. We've had Nashville return in, in 2021. We had IRP return in 2022. Milwaukee's return in 2023. What can we get to return in 2024? Rockingham. It's possible, folks. We might have it. Uh, where else could we go? Pike's Peak. Is Pike's Peak still? Is that I, an I, option? I think I don't think it's an option. I I I recall there's some sort of uh, there was some kind of clause where they couldn't bring prof- it, it was the same clause that did it in Nazareth, where they couldn't have professional lawyers can fix anymore. everything, folks. I as we know, can, but... lawyers can fix everything. Let's get law- let's get some lawyers in Colorado working on this, folks. All you gotta do is get the race sponsored by a bunch by by a bunch of weed people, and that's yes. all you need. Yes, that's all you need. Yes, I want that that. that, that whole state's a pothead. So that's all you gotta do is just get go up there and get and get and, and get them to sponsor the race. Here you go. That's I would you- I would love to see local Colorado dispensaries all sponsor a race because let I mean, me tell you something. To- people don't realize how much these dispensaries actually do for local economies. Now there's several cities and towns like throughout michigan and colorado and illinois that typically like never got tourism never got um you know any like real notoriety or anything but yeah now they're like constant tourist destinations and even though tourists are there for the weed they're also they stay for all the other things and you know go to the hotels go to restaurants yeah exactly little little shops absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely so yeah, so to get back to that, tr- Cosman Truck Series, Milwaukee this weekend, watch it on Sunday after you've got your dose of Daytona, which is on Friday night with the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series on Saturday. The Cup Series, it's the regular season finale. Uh, mathematically, Danny Hamlin can still get the championship from Martin Truex Jr., but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Martin, regular season. Regular season time. championship. But I, I, I don't think it's pot. I think it's he's going to need like to win the race and Martin Truex Jr. to finish, finish last. I still think it's going to happen. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to yeah. be hard unless you know taken out in a big one or something. Yeah. Now, what are the chances, Rob? The la- la- last little kind of random question, bonus question of the day. Uh, what are the chances that when a car on the bubble, i.e., like Bubba Wallace at Atlanta? 
goes out to try to qualify, and because they didn't have any practice, oh, there was an issue with the car, and they don't get to qualify. What are the chances that happens at Daytona this weekend? It's probably still pretty high. I mean, if it if it happened, at, I mean, anytime they don't have practice, I always feel like it's it it does the teams and the drivers a disservice. I I just want the driver, whoever it is, to just blow up and say like, "Look, this is why we need practice. Yeah. We need a minimum of practice at each track to, uh, to call it hot laps to get to to knock the cobwebs off to see if there's any problems. We have to." We have hot track laps in every single type of race. They, every every other type of racing does a does warm up hey, laps. A simulator laps. isn't going to find an issue with the engine, yeah. uh, or fuel line. It doesn't find that for you. You're right. So, um, you know, it's time to. to I, I I don't want it to happen to someone who's on the bubble because I want everyone to have a fair shot starting as best they can. But um, you know, like Ty Dillon. I'm going to call it Ty. I'm sorry. I'm not, uh, the t- first thing that came to mind, so I apologize to Ty. But if Ty Dillon goes out there and like, oh, car won't crank. We didn't have practice, you know, to find out what went wrong, you know, with this to, to figure it out. So thanks, NASCAR, for screwing us over and starting, you know, and now we're starting last, you know. I don't know. Or, or you know, be, you know, he won't, he won't blow up. So I'm not even going to throw his name out there. He's not going to blow up at all with it. So it's just a waste of my breath to say it. Uh, conclusion. Time. We flip over to the final chapter of the show, the conclusion chapter. All right. Uh, insert page turning sound. Don't worry. Uh, it's not the end. We still have another episode next week because, of course. Right. Yeah, for this week, for this, uh, this, this, this episode, the final chapter has been turned. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, we, you, Rob had mentioned it last week and, and, and maybe a couple weeks prior to this as well. Um, uh, you know, we have a lot of new listeners as of late. Thank you. So, uh, word of mouth is always great. Hopefully you guys are telling your friends, hey, listen to these guys. Uh, they may not always talk about F1, or they may not always talk about NASCAR, but they have a lot of things to say. They have opinions, and they're passionate about it. Sometimes they ramble on too long. Uh, but, uh, you know, this means we care, and, and we, uh, we're we big motorsports fans. So thank you for taking the time to listen to us, uh, and, uh, and hopefully you're enjoying it. Let us know what you think uh, on... Uh, the, you know, the comments on social media or, or within the uh, podcast itself by giving us a rating or whatever, and make sure you hit subscribe. So when Rob posts up these uh, new episodes, you get notified like, boom, uh, Racing with Robin Roller has a new episode out. So make sure you hit the subscribe there. The socials, uh, at Robin Roller, just as it sounds, R-O-B-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-E-R on uh, Twitter and, uh, and, and on threads as well there. Uh, Rob on Twitter is... R-P-E-E-T-E-R-S-3-3, that is Rob Peters 33 and I'm at Roller underscore zero one, uh, R-O-L-L-E-R underscore zero one. So, uh, again, thanks for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. We kept you under two hours this week. Uh, let us know if you like, I, I like that we tried to hit two hours or, or keep it around that range. But, uh, you know, let us know. Are you disappointed we're not hitting the two-hour mark? Because for a while there, we could not could not keep it under two hours to save our lives, man. Could not do it. We're getting better it. now. We're getting better. We're getting better. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Uh, let us know what you think we're, what tracks us for exhibition next year. Is there a rift between it growing in the nine team, or has there already been one? And uh, what do you think about Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer and the aggression levels within NASCAR? So we'll talk all about Daytona next week uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, and also, uh, I, I guess the Dutch Grand Prix as well. Rob, your your home, yes, our, uh, second home 
uh, Grand Prix. So I'm going to quit rambling here because I said I would quit doing that. No, you're fine. Uh, for Rob Peters, I'm Josh Roller, and this has been the Racing with Rob and Roller podcast. Have a great week, everybody.